0: Huff is.
1: <laughs> Good morning How
0: are you today?
2: Yeah
1: I'm great I'm great Alright let's get into these uh, huge pieces of news.
0: First one is quite meaty and chunky, so let's uh, let's go to one part of it first. A list right. of premises flagged as potential COVID-19 hotspots were identified through the hotspots Identification for Dynamic Engagement uh, or HIDE system. Premises listed under the HIDE will be required to close for three days due to sanitization needs. What is the rationale behind the publication of this list and the three-day closures?
2: Of course, there's two parts to the questions actually. The first is of course the rationale of publishing the list, uh, which is basically you want to inform the public that uh, these are the areas where potential COVID clusters may form. It hasn't formed. I think uh, Coordinating Minister Khairi Jamaruddin has already made it clear that these are not uh, COVID clusters. It's just merely uh, places where uh, there's a chance or a higher chance of it uh, for, for COVID cluster to happen. And as, as for the three-day closure thing, it's a, it's a bit of a preemptive move by the government, right? You want to uh, shut it down. You want to prevent it from happening. But uh, when you talk about the rationale, of course, it's a bit of a, pardon me for quoting, a, I think the 30 years or 20 years ago film, a Minority Report. Uh, it's pretty much Minority Report at, at a smaller scale. Because it it, it hasn't happened yet But it has the potential uh, for it to happen So do you act when it hasn't happened Or after it happened? I mean, there's a lot of uh, grey area on this Because I guess uh, nobody has ever uh, Predicted crime this manner Or in this case, uh, COVID clusters this manner So I think the government uh, Of course, whether I agree or disagree Is a separate matter But the rationale for the government To actually impose this 3-day closure Is of course uh, to prevent wholesale Uh, covid clusters from forming just
0: based on the system so looking on the other side of things uh, associations representing shopping malls and retail industries today uh, called for the suspension of data adding that the hide assessment is grossly unfair to shopping malls and retailers who have invested so much already on safety and control and adhered closely to standard operating procedures as determined by the authorities so i guess the first question would be you know this data, how is it collated, and how accurate is it?
2: First of all, I'm not behind the height system, so I'm not entirely sure right. how right. how how it is mapped out. But based on my understanding of how uh, uh, these things work, is based on an integration of data collected from MICE, Jatra, KKM, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So basically, you just track the number of positive cases, you see where they've been. And from there, I believe the algorithm will come and decide uh, which place has the highest risk of COVID clusters from happening. Uh, of course, uh, how accurate it is, because it's it's hard, right? Because it's not a reading. It's not an actual reading. It's not like kilograms, meters, temperature. It's, it's a potential. You are calculating potential. So it may happen. It may not happen. Uh, based on the list, if you just look at the list, naturally, those are the places with the highest density. So even without the height system, we all know that these places are already high-risk COVID clusters, may happen. So I think, uh, yeah, it's true that the, the malls and the associations have taken steps Uh, But I think uh, there needs to be more uh, discussion uh, between these stakeholders and the government. Uh, Maybe we need to come up with a more stricter SOPs when you are named as a a potential place by hype that you don't really have to go into closure or lockdown uh, each time your name appears in height. Jay
0: Solomon, the General Secretary, uh, Secretary of the National Union of Bank Employees, says the suspension of the minimum workers housing regulation until the end of the year is among the main reasons for the COVID-19 spike, especially amongst foreign workers due to, amongst others, lack of good sanitation facilities and the accommodation. Can you tell us about this Workers' Housing Regulation and how it directly impacts the COVID-19 numbers?
2: Okay, for the purpose of this discussion, of course, uh, I'm going to refer to the regulation as Act 446, which is basically the official name right. uh, for the actual uh, Act. So uh, this Act 446 actually uh, ensures that these workers are, are working under uh, hospitable conditions, workable conditions, uh, clean uh, they, it also uh, provided um, ens- or, or ensures that they are given uh, water supply electricity supply and everything basically human rights right so, right, okay. so, so, so Act 446 uh, provides that and of course uh, uh, this is of course this act was actually uh, enacted way back in 1990 of course human rights have always existed uh, long before but when you we, when we mix it together uh, the past two the past year at least, uh, with COVID, uh, it becomes even more uh, I- I- even harder because uh, the Act was actually enforced, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, last September uh, due to COVID, of course. Uh, and and uh, the the issue here is a lot of people are actually, or rather, a lot of employers are actually complaining that they wouldn't be able to meet those requirements. And and what? What, what I meant here by meeting those requirements is of course I'm sure uh, we've we've heard friends or, or even you've seen uh, situations where uh, some employers actually just rent a bungalow yeah, yes, a, yes. Or, or a hostel and yeah. have like 40 people Uh, Foreign workers Stay in there Right So that is definitely Does not meet The requirement Of Act 446 Because you need To have A certain amount Of spaces For each individual worker Mm. So actually What that means Is basically uh, When when you don't Enforce this Basically uh, Employers or or uh, and any any companies can just house everyone in closed cramped spaces, and you know, COVID loves this. Mm-hmm. COVID loves uh, closed cramped spaces. It is uh, basically a hotbed of cluster. It's a cluster waiting to happen. Yeah. So if when 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 this uh, act is not enforced, it just increases the chance of uh, COVID clusters happening, especially among uh, foreign workers' uh, dormitories or housing places.
1: So ideally, uh, what should have happened was that the like. Uh there should have been a hostel built where enough space is given to each worker to have their own space that would have been SOP-friendly for COVID then, basically.
2: Exactly. Of course, uh, that, that is the ideal condition. But of course, again, uh, it's, it's also what's acceptable at, uh, at, an international human st- uh, at, at an international level because fact of the matter is uh, all these workers should be given a minimum uh, requirement which is a, a proper house uh, or rather a proper living unit uh, with proper sanitation, uh, enough electricity supply, water supply, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera. But of course, we understand not all companies are big companies, right? Not all companies will be able to provide ideal situations for these workers. So that's why the, that's where the act comes in. And and, and interestingly enough, uh, MEF actually uh, quoted that that about seventy percent uh, of companies are actually not equipped to to, to meet these requirements, which is why they are asking for more time. So, uh, this is the reason behind the the relaxation uh, of these regulations so that uh, these companies can actually uh, do what they can to meet these requirements. Of course, on the minister's side, he is trying to balance everything out, right? Because you want to ensure this uh, takes place. But at the same time, you cannot have 70% out of the whole uh, employer's, I would say, population not meeting the actual, you cannot, you can, basically, you can't uh, punish 70% of them. It's, it's just way too high. Then This is why he relaxes the, the, the conditions so that they'll be able to meet uh, these requirements.
0: Right, Hafiz. Schools. Here we go. <laughs> okay. The health ministry will recommend that the education sector prolong school breaks in order to curb the spread of COVID nineteen infection during the upcoming Raya uh, ideal Fitri holiday period. Prolong. Yes. Okay. The education minister said that all primary and secondary schools nationwide would return to home based teaching and learning um, methods when the schooling session resumes after the holidays. Now, looking at some of the schools um, and them having had multiple cases. How important is it for us to shut physical scrolling down until this pandemic is over?
2: I mean, this, this thing has been playing on our minds since, I guess, January, right?
1: We've
0: talked about um, this before. Even. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, but, but I don't agree with we're physically shutting them down until the pandemic is over. I think uh we've, we've spoken before, it's due time for the uh for the ministry to actually find out a workable solution uh for this because th- this thing is gonna happen. COVID is gonna go up and down, it probably waves are coming in and out. So uh there's, there's a necessity to actually prepare and, and ensure there's a sustainable model for all the students so that. You know, we can have. I mean, their their, their education are not uh, interrupted uh, every few weeks or every few months. Mm-hmm. So it is important to actually lay out the year and just tell them uh, where are the the intervals, right? Uh, okay, we're gonna reassess every three months or every four months. Because when you say that, okay, uh, okay, when the cases are okay, don't go to school stay at home and then when the cases are down, okay, uh, schools reopen. It creates a sense of uncertainty which is not good for, for people to actually learn because you need to plan, right? Teachers need to plan, mm-hmm. parents need to plan. Yep. I think even the students themselves, I could not imagine being in the shoes of these students. In fact, two of my nephews actually are schooling right now and, and they are having a tough time. It is it is it is a tough time to actually adjust yourself, Kajab uh, online, Sometimes not online. Yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. you need to go to school. Sometimes you need to go back. So I think it, it is time to actually for the education ministry to actually think about uh, at least a yearly base of how they are going to do this. You know, which years go to school, which years do, which years don't, or maybe it's a rotation system where two weeks first yeah. formers yeah. go, mm-hmm. then the next two weeks second formers go. So so because you, you the to work learning
1: out. is just one one part of it. I mean, like parents also need to figure out like, do I need to be at home? Because not all parents are working from home to take care of the kids. Some are still at the office and there's a whole scheduling thing mm, that's also a nightmare yeah. there right exactly
2: exactly that that these 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 are all the challenges that you know because when you talk about schools you, you are actually involving three separate big groups students parents and teachers teachers Correct. also I mean, teachers also have their own children to think about, right? It's very easy.
1: Let's just go to school. There's a lot more things that
2: go on, right? uh, They need to be a one-size-fits-all does not work in this case. It needs to be more decentralized so that, uh, you know, it doesn't interrupt the students
0: learning the youth and sports minister said that throwah will accord some kind of reward to national diver pandalela rinong for securing malaysia's first ever gold medal at nice. the fina diving world cup but pointed out that it was not good to always reward an athlete each time he or she won some Thing. Okay. As a child, we're taught that doing something good has its rewards. As an employee, doing a good job equates to a better bonus uh, or, or pay rise, right? So, so what's the reason behind this statement?
2: Well, I, I can't uh, assume what was his thinking. Come uh, on, this statement. but but no, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to be fair to uh, to Sri Srikarev here. I think the the statement when, when he said it, I believe it was a question uh, from the media who asked, uh, will Panelela be given a datoship?
1: Yes, and yeah. and
2: and I think his 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 answer was, uh, I'm not sure chronologically he said it this way, uh, but I, I assume his answer was, okay, we will give. A uh, form of reward, but let's not spoil her by giving a data sheet of sorts. So, so, so there are there, there are mu- there are multiple layers mm. to this uh, mm. to this statement, right? Of course, the the first part is of course it is entirely up to the Sarawak to actually decide how they want to recognize they are athletes, or yeah. yeah. well, whether it's Datuk ship or not. Uh, is I mean, I guess beauty lies in the eyes of beholder, right? So rewards up to those who's supposed to reward them. But I think the issue here, I think what's more interesting here is how do we acknowledge and recognize athletes' contribution? That That is the bigger conversation, right? Is, is giving Datuk ship uh, the answer to actually uh, acknowledge uh, an athlete's contribution? I personally don't think so. Because uh, yes, datuship, transfer, tune, or anything elevates your your status in the society, right? But when you're an active athlete like Pandalela, I think she's at her prime, in her prime of her career. I think for an athlete, what is more uh, beneficial is actually uh, the chance to train with uh, a world class coach, um, better facilities. Uh, for training, uh, better recovery facilities, you know, like all those bio yes. baths yeah. and stuff. Yes, yeah. yes. That would be more beneficial. So so I think when you say it about rewards, right, those are the kind of rewards that we should start be giving our athletes. Not cars, not houses, uh, not money, because you know it's I mean that, that's not that's not the most valuable thing for an athlete, right? If you're a cyclist, you want better equipment. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're a runner, probably you want a, a better running techniques. You want to you want to train with, for example, Usain Bolt. You know that is more meaningful for an athlete rather than you give all these uh, other.
0: Soxo, the social security organization, says it aims to protect 200,000 active self-employed individuals by the end of this year. They add that the National Employment Council, NEC, is supported and endorsed this plan. How likely will self-employed individuals, you know, be them... Uh, burger flippers, grass cutters, um, giggers, self-employeders. giggers. yeah, giggers basically. It's a good word. Agree to this move. Uh, what are the benefits? Should they buy into this proposal?
2: I guess, uh, the, the first thing is we, we have to look at uh, most of the gig workers who are actually uh, currently in employment. Is I don't think they are looking at it as a whole career, right? They're not planning to be a gig worker throughout their employment, yeah, yeah, but. I think uh it, it is it is a good move right it's about time that that because all these while when when we work we have our EPF etc cetera, etc cetera. those are our social uh, security net uh, so it is about time that these uh, gig workers are, are brought into the system because right now there's just so many of them uh, you have you have Grab you have you have so many uh, avenues uh, for you to carry out gig workers, scouting, everything. So, uh, with with this uh, in place, we hope that that, that they will be more uh, aware of the importance of having a social security and, and when these workers actually uh, buy in into the system, they'll be, okay, uh, this is what we're going to get because I know for a fact that some of my uh, fellow friends, acquaintances who are part-time workers, they are already uh, buying private retirement scheme because they know for a fact okay uh, you know I'm not going to be in this long I need I need a social security net and 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 these are for those who are actually aware of the need of, of, of having this yeah so, but you know, I think there's like these, a small
1: number though, though isn't it
2: yeah yeah a lot of these gig workers are not like I mean like we, we, they just working to have some sort of monthly uh, employment and, and, and salary, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, they're not really thinking of this matter. So, it's good of, of SOCSU to actually introduce this so that,
1: you know, you're, you're aware and you're protected by it. Yeah, at least that's an option too, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: So, what sort of effect on small business owners would there be should they decide to not be covered by SOXO? Mm. I mean, will they still be allowed to operate with SOXO?
2: I think, I guess, uh, I mean, all this while they have been operating all this it's while. yeah, If you're a if you're a machi who sells prepe uh, ubi, for yeah. example, you more likely you're not within uh, the SOXO structure, and and I think uh, it is important that that we enlarge this structure or at least make more people aware of this uh, of the need of having a social security because uh, fact of the matter is a lot of Malaysians do not have enough for retirement so it is important to actually uh, have more people with uh, this security net in place so that you know when they grow old or at least when they end employment there are uh, some level of security uh, still in place for them after they ended
1: their pregnancy. or even while they're working you know something might happen to them mm. an, while they're working uh, workplace work accidents you know everything pandemic. all pandemic and being, of course.
0: <laughs> the school expulsion warning letter sent to Ayn Husniza Saiful Nizam, the teenager behind the Make School a Safer Place movement, has sparked concern from a parents' group. Malacca Action Group for Parents and Education, or Magpie Chairman, Chi Kin said it's outrageous that she'd received a warning letter for not attending school, whilst the teacher who made the inappropriate rape joke and the student who allegedly threatened to rape her had supposedly not been reprimanded. Now, Sending a warning letter to Ayn for not attending a school when her dignity had been threatened and the perpetrator still there. At right large. uh seemed yeah at large thank you seems unfair what what are your thoughts on this I
2: mean I I was surprised to actually read of the news I wouldn't even consider uh Aang getting an, an actual warning letter uh for 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 this or, for, or what transpired since uh the first time she actually exposes it I mean we're looking at it from from different angles right those who who support Ying are very much aware of of the need of actually being uh understanding of today's culture and how we should not normalize are certain things, you know. While I believe the schools or rather some teachers are still within that old mold, and, and they don't actually speak the language that Aang is speaking. So, so I think for them, they see Aang as, uh, you know, as a symbol of, of insolence or, you know. Rebellion. Uh, rebellion. Yeah. You know, they don't see her as as what she said, something that, that needs to be uh, brought forth. And, and understood or uh, even expanded, even so, I think uh, kudos to Ayn actually for actually bringing this up. Yep. It sparks a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, it's an ongoing thing, right? Uh, uh, ministry should also, uh, I wouldn't say stepped in personally into this, but actually they should uh, they should look into this and uh, find out what actually the problem is. Of course, when you said uh, those who are who are actually responsible are not reprimanded. Of course, there there are two parts. Uh, the first, the student who threatened her actually apologizes to the mm-hmm. father. Um, and, and the father apparently accepted it but I don't believe there's any uh, action taken by the school yet. Uh, as, far as, as far as for the teacher the teacher is still uh, teaching apparently so um, I guess people uh, I mean the public are not calling for the teacher to be suspended or fired or whatever but, but some disciplinary action must be taken. Because I do believe when the teacher said it, uh, it's probably intended as a joke. But the, the, the teacher also has to realize in this day and age, you can't joke about things like that. Because when you joke about things like that, it becomes normalized. So, so this kind of culture should not be normalized. It, it may be normal 30, 40 years ago, but right now it's unacceptable and it should be. Uh, treated as such
1: and to be honest with you I mean earlier we talked about like how teachers look at her as a rebel or what not she and her father actually was against the walk out of sc- uh, like there was an act- a movement that every- all the that students were, like, we're going to walk out and everything mm. right? they said don't do that because that's not what this thing is about right yes. so she's not yes. rebellious at all
2: I think, um, uh, I mean, she, she, she's trying to br- bring center a message, right? Yeah. Make school a safer place. And and I think all of her concerns are valid. I, I mean, all this while leading up to her exposing also, there are also news about period spot checks. Correct. Which I've heard of it when I was in school 15 years ago. When I sit back and think, if my daughter were to come at, to me and tell me all those things, I would probably not be happy about it. Yeah. So I think uh, when is a better time to actually go against this culture, right? It's good that I brought it up because I, at 17, would definitely just keep quiet over this. So kudos to her again for yeah. actually having enough uh, courage to actually bring this better yeah. up. Yeah.